Eyewitness News. Be there as it happens. City News. It's 17.30 GMT. This is Eyewitness News on 97.3 City FM. I am Umaru Sanda Amadou and tonight I'm here with Akusia Ochi. And coming up over the next 90 minutes, balloting for NPP's flag bearer contest in November ends in a fiasco as candidates raise preliminary issues on the electoral process deployed by the party. Also coming up, DVLA to face out old driver's licenses for smart cards the minority side in parliament is saying that is an illegality and later on eyewitness news i wish to add my voice to those who have called on the ec to reconsider its decision to restrict the registration exercise to its district offices only let me encourage all my comrades in the ndc to put aside every other thing or activity and let's give a maximum attention and focus to this upcoming exercise. NDC flag bearer John Mahama whips party supporters to turn up and register as Electoral Commission opens limited registration exercise for elections in the country. Stay with 97.3 CTF for more on this and many other stories on Eyewitness News. And in business, hoteliers plan to extend a petition on killer utility tariffs to speak of parliament after PURC failed to address their concerns. That's in 15 minutes from the City Business Desk. Eyewitness News is live across Ghana on affiliate stations including Kasha 99.5 FM in Damongo, that's in the Savannah region. Also on Sela 97.1 FM in Dabala in the Volta region and Holy 98.5 FM in Aplau also in the Volta region. We are also live on Orange 107.9 FM and Focus 94.3 FM, both in Kumasi in the Ashanti region. In the Western region, we are on Beach 105.5 FM in Takradi and Sky Power 93.5 FM also in Takradi. In the Northeast region, we are on Nobia 98.1 FM in Nalirugu. Northern region, uh, we are Northeast, we are Northern region, I beg your pardon, we are on North Star Radio 92.1 in Tamale. In Upper East, we are on Rikas 92.1 FM in Bongo, Namu. In Upper West, on Tumpani Radio 88.5 FM in Nadoli and Jirapa FM 96.1 in Jirapa. We are live on YouTube, we are live on Facebook and we are interactive. Do join us also on our website citynewsroom.com. This is Eyewitness News. Uh, we are broadcasting from Adabraka in Accra. If you want to join the discussion, send your messages to WhatsApp 0549 Zero five four nine nine eight six nine nine six, or go on Twitter and use um, hashtag City Newsroom and drop your messages. You can tweet at Umaru Sanda or at City973. We kick off with the New Patriotic Party, and Akosia has our story. Now, the planned balloting for the November 4 NPP presidential primaries could not come off today. It is unclear what led to the failure of the party to undertake the balloting, but the Elections Committee, after a meeting with the aspirants, revealed uh, to the media that the aspirants still have some concerns they want to address. The Elections Committee also revealed that together with aspirants and electoral 
Electoral Commission modalities for the November 4 polls will soon be outdoored. Addressing the press, spokesperson for the Elections Committee, Alexander Penyomarkin, indicated that a date for the balloting will be set after the modalities have been developed. Uh, we received some proposals. We deliberated on same and have agreed to incorporate these uh, uh, as part of the guidelines for the November 4th elections. We have also agreed that soon thereafter we shall proceed with the balloting. Meanwhile, all concerns that were raised are receiving attention and by saying this I specifically mean that individuals who complain about certain things happening to them at various polling centers have been heard. Those who perpetrated such acts have also been invited and they have been heard. Um, the committee will issue it for reports and on this make the report known to the public after due consultation with stakeholders in the party. We have also received the withdrawal letter officially uh, by Honorable Chermante and the party has accepted the withdrawal without prejudice. At this point, we as a committee would like to again remind all party members that this is an internal contest. There is no loser, there is no winner. We need to put our house in order to face the NDC come 2024. So we would urge party members to help their own party by way of their conduct. There is no need in using social media platforms to cast aspersions, insinuate, attack personalities, and all. We also urge aspirants to continue to use due process to address their concerns. They, are, they should let their, their followers know that if they have issues, they should channel them to the elections committee. That is why we are here. And we have been meeting and listening, taking notes, hearing people, and we will not resolve on that uh, responsibility. So we want to give them that assurance. There is therefore no need for anybody to take the law into his or own hands to say things and to do things that will hurt the interests of the party. We have only one MPP. For the time being, we have only one leader. That is Nanado Dankwa Kufado. We have only one government headed by the same person as president of the republic. And we are encouraging all party members to respect the authority of the party. We have only one national chairman and one general secretary. We should show them respect as they give direction to all of us and ensure that we do what is right in the best interest of the party. 
That was Alexander Penyomak and the spokesperson for the NPP Elections Committee. Let's speak to Hansen Ajiman. He is with the City Newsroom, but he went to cover the balloting today. Uh, Hansen, who and who showed up for the balloting? So there was uh, Dr. Wusefri Akoto, Kennedy Ohine, a Japan, uh, Fred Oware, who represented Dr. Mamodo Baumia. Again, uh, Dr. Kennedy Japan, campaign manager and the person of Kwame Wusu was there. Again, there was representation from Dr. Wusu's camp and as well as Adenimo's camp. We didn't see any representation from the camp of Alan Chamatin, rightly, or perhaps because he has already given him his intention of drawing from this process. The Elections Committee chairperson and the person of Professor Mike Quay was also present, Alexander Penyomarkin, who we just listened to, and some other executive officers, including the uh, ch- the chairman of the, the, the general secretary of the party, uh, he was the Justin Kudia from Paul, was, was at this particular meeting. So the meeting was simply to have the candidates ballot, the ones that remain. So that would be what, four candidates to ballot so that they decide who places where. What happened? Uh, where, where did the objection come from? Well, what we know is that the, that, that was the agenda from, uh, from the election committee when they invited these candidates and their representatives. But uh, immediately they got into the meeting, uh, some of the aspirants and their representatives indicated that they have some issues that they think should be addressed before the agenda of the day can be uh, undertaken. Now, one of the issues had to do with a decision by the National Council of the party to allow executive officers and appointees of the government to act as polling agents for any of the candidates. Now, in the special delegates conference, the elections committee took a decision that no appointee of the government or executive officer can act as a polling agent for any of the candidates. This was in reaction to alleged uh, concerns of intimidation that may come from these persons who most of the delegates may look up to or who most of the delegates will listen to if they give directions to them. But after the special delegate election, the National Council at this meeting reviewed this particular directive and decided that it was against the right of these appointees and executives who as party faithfuls and as supporters of any candidate have the right to act as a polling agent for anybody. And so the elections, the National Council then decided to reverse this particular decision. And so we are told one of the major concerns of the aspirants is that they are hoping that the elections committee can get their concerns to the National Council for the National Council to take a second look at this issue and address it for them. Another issue we are told have, uh, was of concern to the committee, uh, to the aspirants who came before the committee today, had to do with the violence that, that violence that characterized the special delegate elections. Now, you remember that in the Northeast region, 
the coordinator of Alan Martin was allegedly attacked where he received medical attention. Again, the alleged reports of the agent of Ken Kennedy Ohini Japan being chased out of the voting center. And there were issues of the Ashanti Regional Organized Youth Organizer of the NPP, Rafael Staffo, showing his vote to the uh, delegates who had gathered at the voting center. And in the, in the Bono East region, there was an alleged attack on the youth organizer, the, the, the Bono East youth organizer of the NPP. And so the aspirants were of the opinion that these issues have not been Apologies, we lost Hansen Ajiman there. He was uh, just trying to help us make sense of what happened at the New Patriotic Party headquarters uh, today where balloting was supposed to have happened, uh, which balloting failed to happen uh, because of a number of issues. So we wait to see what the next line of action for the party would be. This Eyewitness News on 97.3 CTFM. We'll be back with more. Please stay. Eyewitness News. Be there as it happens. Let your voice be heard on Eyewitness News on Facebook at facebook.com forward slash city97.3, Twitter at twitter.com forward slash city973, and Instagram at instagram.com forward slash city973 with the hashtag Eyewitness News. You're welcome back. This is Eyewitness News on 97.3 City FM. The big story the balloting that was supposed to have happened at the New Patriotic Party's headquarters. Among the candidates who are remaining in the New Patriotic Party's race, that balloting did not happen. Uh, we are told that the party will take a decision on it and will be announcing what the position is. Meanwhile, last night on Eyewitness News, around this same time, some 24 hours ago, Alan Kojicamantin issued a press statement in which he announced that he was not going to be part of the NPP's internal race. He has since withdrawn from the race and says he'll make communication on his next line of action in the coming days so let's try and understand what's happening in his camp 24 hours on the member of parliament for botiano english from is one of key uh, one key member of parliament who was supporting the alan kojochamantin campaign indeed he has spoken to us a number of times the honorable sylvester tete he's joining us on the line honorable you're welcome to eyewitness news thank you Maru. 24 hours after that announcement which shocked many disappointed many angered some how is the mood in the alan camp like thank you very much and good evening to our listeners tomorrow there's no more alan camp alan's the curtains were brought down on his campaign yesterday by an official communication from the presidential hopeful former so there's nothing like alan camp anymore now it is mpp camp that is most important but let me use this opportunity to thank the rank and file and the teaming supporters who came out to support Alan Chairman from the beginning to yesterday. Uh, though regrettably, uh, I think that it was a painful decision, disappointed as we, we, we are. Uh, there's nothing more we can say. He's a bishop bearer. He's decided to bring down the curtain on his own ambition. There's nothing we can do. Our commitment is to the MPP party. Uh, for that matter, I will urge every supporter, sympathizer of Alan Chamatin's campaign, not to be deferred. We should be guided by the single principle of MPP winning 2024 election. I believe that Alan Chamatin was in the race, and we believe so, that he will be a very fine president. However, I've always maintained 
that the other gentlemen contesting, whoever wins up the slot to lead that party, it will be a better president than John Mahama. So we will win the elections 2024 for Alan John Kotechemate and the MPP. The good news is that he remains a member of our party and we will continue to see him as a steward of our party. Was, so he an, think, was he an easy decision to make and announce yesterday? It couldn't have been an easy decision. I mean, leading uh, a host of gallant men and women going into an election and halfway, you have to announce your withdrawal. Couldn't have been an easy decision. But of course, be it as it may, he's a leader and he's the one we are supporting. You can't force him to go to elections. One, he decides otherwise. You have to respect his opinion and move on. But we still believe that the MPP is in a poor position to win the next election. Four men are, are remaining in the race. We will definitely, by November 4th, have a leader of our party. And we are going to rally behind the third leader to ensure that we win the 2024 election. That is the core mandate of the MPP, and that is what is said all of us on, to support one candidate or the other. So I think that the MPP first before any other thing. And our commitment is the new patriotic party. We are going to work extra hard to ensure that the aspirations of young people of this country will not be dashed by NDC coming back into power. So that is our guiding principle. Was it open for debate whether or not he should withdraw, or it was a decision that was handed down to you, members of the campaign, and you had to accept it or leave it? Omaru, I mean, first of all, we are not kids. And if he's working with you, especially those in leadership of the campaign, he will communicate this decision with you. Your opinions will be will be will be accepted or will be sought but your opinion cannot be the final i mean at the end of the day he makes the final decision as to whether or not you continue and my plea to the party based on the things he said uh culminating into his uh, ultimate decision the party leadership i'm happy in their letter of response or acknowledgement of his letter had indicated it will be investigated to the NASA, and that is why i've made a solemn pledge I won't discuss the content of the things he said led to the decision. If the party finds me worthy to invite me, I will be happy to share my opinion on it. But until then, I urge everybody to rally around the MPP flag. And of course, uh, I'm a political animal, and there are four gentlemen standing. And I'm going to make a, a pronouncement of my choice of uh, who to lead our party very soon. And I believe that my colleagues will do so in no time for the good of our party. So uh, ultimately, the decision, the final decision, you can make your input, but the final decision rests with the one going for the election. All mm. of us may disagree, but we cannot force him that he must bear the flag for the party. Mm. You, you're not going to tell us who you're going to support tonight? Not necessarily tonight, but I'll, I'll, be, making, I'll be speaking to you. Would it, be, would it be an easy thing to do, considering that uh, you were on a campaign where you were you were extolling the virtues of one against the other, would it be easy for you to switch camp? No, but it's not a matter of switching camp. Yes, I have maintained that if, in my own candid opinion, if Alan Chabantin is giving the nod to lead the party, I was on a campaign. If it's no more, doesn't mean we, we, we don't have more men in our party to lead, to lead our party. I've always maintained that whoever wins, but of course, I prefer that lecture, but it doesn't mean that um, I'm reciprocity of every knowledge in selecting the leadership. But if he himself has decided not to run, obviously, remaining four, I'll make a choice out of the four. What happens to your colleagues who were pro-Alan? Do you feel 
okay that your man whom you were supporting, who was a shade over you, has suddenly disappeared and you are exposed to the sun. Do you feel I'm not, I'm do you feel welcome sure. and safe in, in the party generally? I, I don't get the question. I'm not too sure we've been exposed. To the extent that I what if we go to the elections and we couldn't make it? And the thing going to the election, it was clear to each one of them that there's only one person who was going to win. Unless, of course, you were not covered by the party as it were. Once you are a member of the party and you have not renewed your membership to the party, you are clothed and covered at all materials by the party. Your commitment, like I said, must first be to the party. You may even go into an election, elect a flag bearer. A week or two later, the flag bearer may pass or may decide not to run. Doesn't mean you cease to be a member of the party. No. So for me, I don't think that electing a flag bearer gives you that covering. It is a party, the tenant of the party, that gives you that covering. We are going to fight the elections together. As are you saying that if you elect a flag bearer, the person becomes the president? We need everybody to be able to prosecute the campaign to ensure that we have a resounding victory in 2024. And that, at that time, you don't know who supported who. It should not be the determinant factor. I don't know how people think that once I disagree with you in who should lead our party, it means I've been exposed. I can't uh, accept that uh, mm. argument. If you look at Anado's cabinet, there were uh, Kufo's cabinet, as it were. There were people, Alan Chamante himself, had been con- consistently contesting Anado, but he was the first person to be appointed as a minister for trade or under Anado's uh, uh, administration. Kufo did the same. Anado contested Kufo, Safo Mako, all those who contested him. They were all sitting in his cabinet. I don't see where the exposure and being left alone is. I'm, I remain a member of the party. If today I want to see any of the aspirants, I'm free to walk to see any of the aspirants. There's only one person who's going to win. So that should not be part of our thinking, that once you support somebody yesterday and the person does not win or is no more in the race, doesn't mean that those supporting the job cannot come around the party. No. People should disabuse their minds from that. And I don't think that any of the four leaders standing today who wish to make that statement anyway. And that's an unfortunate statement. Mm. You, your, your brother, Sami Oku, is inviting you, and he mentions you by name and says he's inviting you to the DMB camp. Uh, would you accept that invitation? He need not to invite me. Sami doesn't need to invite me. I'm a, I'm, a, I'm, a, I'm a member of parliament, and I've told you, I'll make my intentions known in due course. I thank him for the invitation. I mean, it's my brother. Uh, likewise, people in other camps. But I think that I'll make a decision in the best interest of our party very soon. Mm. You said that Alan was leaving, leading a gallant m- group of men and women uh, into this battle, but he has decided, and ultimately it is his. Would you honestly say that his exit from the party or the exit from the race was done in a gallant way? Well, I don't know what you mean by gallant way. I think that he's discussed and has stated a number of reasons but I've made a solemn pledge not to discuss those things. These are party issues. I won't discuss them in the media space. Do you disagree with the manner in which your candidate exited the race? There's no other way to exit if you want that, to communicate to the party, and he's he's done so. By burning the bridge while you walk past? Because that's how it sounds like for some some watchers. I don't know how you can say that that's how it sounds. I'm saying that if you want to exit, just like I did, you communicate to the party. I said I'm disappointed in the decision. However, I respect his opinion. I'm supporting somebody going for it. He says I'm not going again. You do fault him. You can't fault him. 
I've seen presidents resign. <laughs> After people have spent their money, time, and energy making them president, they resign from the position. So why? It's a personal decision to keep going or not. So that's why we respect his opinion, though disappointed. Mm-hmm. And I know a number of people who are equally disappointed. People have been wailing all over the country. I mean, what can you do? There are time investment in you. I mean, you couldn't have been celebrating that decision. But however it is, we move on. We move on because we have a viable party that can win power from this and before. And ultimately, that is our vision. Our vision is to bring a leader that can win us the election. So we still believe that there's somebody out there who can help us win the election. We are told that prior to the announcement, your camp was divided between those who supported an exit and those who thought you should stay and fight on. Which side of yeah. the table were you sitting at? I'm not too sure you go for a meeting of high caliber of this nature. You come out and say, I was here, this person was here. The ultimate is that the president has made a pronouncement. Let's respect it. Do you think Alan Chemante still holds any sway in the new patriotic party moving forward? Uh, even me, even me, I have my supporters. So Alan Chemante still is a member of the MPP, and that's the most important thing to me. I mean, withdrawing from the race doesn't make you an MPP. Should it be? So should people see this as a precursor to an ultimate exit because he'll be announcing exit the party eventually? Are you saying to us hand on heart that I'm he will not? not sure he, I'm not sure he's communicated any such intentions to the party or myself. Very well. Uh, thank you so much, and we wish you all the best. We'll be on standby to hear which camp you've decided to eventually join. Thank you very much. You'll be first to that's Sylvester Tete. He's member of parliament for Botiano Englishi, a man from disappointed but respects the decision of Alan Kojo Chamantin. This is Eyewitness News on 97.3 CTFM. We are coming to you from our studios in Adabraka in Accra. We are also live across the globe on citynewsroom.com. Let me bring some of your messages. Jones Adubwa in La says, um, the elimination by rough tactics method used to favor the preferred candidate has now been found out, hence the delay to reshadow the balloting. Akapo Jr. from Ahafomim says, the MPP must do all it can to bring Alan on board for the 2024 train to victory as he carries a heavy weight in the party. As this Donline Wa says, it's obviously clear that MPP as a political party is in shambles. In clear terms, Alan was, wasn't treated fairly from the beginning of the game. Father SK from Kenya Sikomasi says Alan Chemantin has taken a good decision for withdrawing from the presidential race. Alan is a technocrat, not a politician. John in Koforidua says Alan Cash has disappointed some of us. We are praying and organizing the grassroots support base towards his victory in November and the subsequent general election next year to redeem this our dear nation from this current ugly state to the promised land. Al Hassan Hussein uh, Yahya from Afram Plains uh, says uh, the leadership of NPP must do their best to settle every bitterness and also any dispute among the aspirants so as to focus and work hard towards winning the forthcoming general elections of 2024. Al-Hassan Hamdan from Nyohini South in Tamale says the contest or the content of the withdrawal statement by Alan Chamanti indicated that President Kufado failed to honor his promises to him. Send your message to 0549-986-996. And talking about Alan Kojuchamantin's exit from the party, the party has been speaking and uh, debunking the claims that he made, claims of intimidation or favoritism at all. Let's hear from a Deputy General Secretary of the party um, who has been speaking to City News. His name is uh, Haruna Mohammed. Um, he spoke on the City Prime News this afternoon. 
explaining that the allegations made could not be true. Party has killed uh, that one to the party disagree. Uh, we disagree because the provisions of the party, enshrined in Article 1319, uh, clearly indicates those who are supposed to be the, 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 the delegates to that election. So the delegates to the elections have been predetermined, and this is known by everybody. And definitely the party not choose them unilaterally that this person should be a delegate. This, be, this is a, a delegate that is selected from the party's constitution. So it will be very difficult uh, for us to accept that this is cute. Again, the rules that was also developed was the rules that he they participated and the final rule that came out tied everybody's hands behind and allowed the due process to go. So the party has not given any power to anybody or supported any candidate. Okay. But we gave the background to all aspirants uh, to uh, fill the process and to get themselves elected or selected as part of the fight. So that's the uh, Deputy General Secretary of the NPP. We can hear him more because he says that... Um, it has received the withdrawal letter, and uh, that letter we've since had um, Alexander Penyomarkin, who speaks for the um, elections committee, comment on it and explain what the position of the party on the withdrawal letter is. Let's now go uh, to some other stories. Akosia. The Member of Parliament for South Dai and one of the proponents of the promotion of proper human sexual rights and Ghanaian Family Values Bill, Roxy Nelson Dafamekbo, says uh, he, he actually is describing as needless calls by Shraj for the LGBTQ community to be engaged before proceeding with the bill. The Commission on Human Rights and Administrative Justice, Shraj, recently urged Parliament to engage the LGBTQ community and other stakeholders in order to holds the rights of minority groups. By an interview with City News, however, uh, Roxy Nelson Dapamekbo dismissed the call, stressing that Parliament, through its Constitutional, Legal and Parliamentary Affairs Committee, has already engaged all stakeholders. We've been asking that we want to see them. We don't see them. Nobody has owned up that they are, uh, they are LGBT in this country, that they have an association or whatever. There's no such association in this country. It's only some individuals who said that they speak for them or they are. And they came to the committee. Nobody did anything to them. Some wanted to come and be heard in camera. But we said, well, they, this is a freedom land. Nobody will do anything to them, so they should come. And they came. They appeared before the committee. The committee's hearings sometimes were carried live. So Shrek should, should go and revise its laws, they should go and update itself on the matter and and come properly. But to say that Parliament should go back and engage an unidentified determinate group of people before we proceed with the legislation is with all due respect to them and for want of a better expression, a very needless call. Meanwhile, the South Dai Member of Parliament says the bill is on course to be passed. The consideration stage is where we do the actual enactment. That's where we actually pass the legislation. That is where we, we, we enact the law, we pass the legislation. And, and, and we are there because we, the parliament is on vacation. Um, let, me use, let me use the everyday, everyday man's language. Parliament is on vacation now and will come back to work in the middle of next month. That was October. So when Parliament comes back to work or to resume work, then to be scheduled, it's not scheduled on the other people, but it will be risked for consideration.
That was Roxy Nelson Dapamekbo. He is Member of Parliament for South Dai. Eyewitness News. Be there as it happens. Let your voice be heard on Eyewitness News on Facebook at facebook.com forward slash city97.3. Twitter at twitter.com forward slash city973. And Instagram at instagram.com forward slash city973. With the hashtag Eyewitness News. You all come back. Now, the Member of Parliament for Doma East, Paul Chumberima, says uh, politicians must refrain from politicizing the judiciary. This comes at the back of a recent claim by the former president and flag bearer of the National Democratic Congress, John Dramani Muhammad, that his successor appointed over 80 NPP-inclined judges in the past six years. The Doma East legislator says such commentary about the judiciary goes a long way to eroding public confidence in the judiciary. It's about time we focus on our institutions and build it, and build them, sorry. We don't need to bastardize our institutions and come back and think that they don't have the credibility that we need. It can't be. Whether MPP or NDC, today MPP said this institution is not good, tomorrow NDC said, and then we come back and say that we want to see these institutions working, how will they work? Clearly, I mean, former president has worked with some of the judges that are there. I mean, I'm sure he appointed some few ones, but we are working with them. So, assuming if MPP decides to bastardize those judges and come here and you want to find, if you go to them, you want think, you think that you find a confidence in them, I think we need to take our politics out of certain institutions of this country. Certain aspects of this country must be protected. The sanctity of the judiciary must be protected. The electoral commission must be protected. The security service must be protected. We should not take our political activities to those areas. That was Member of Parliament for Doma East, Paul Chum Berima. Now, the flag bearer of the Opposition National Democratic Congress, NDC, John Dramani Mahama, has directed all members of the party nationwide to suspend all activities and focus on the upcoming voter registration exercise. The Electoral Commission is scheduled to begin registering uh, new voters from Tuesday, September 12 to Monday, October 2, 2023, in preparation for the district-level elections. John Mahama stressed the importance of active participation in the exercise to ensure transparency and prevent any potential electoral irregularities. He also voices support for calls urging the Electoral Commission to refrain from conducting the pending voters registration exercise only at its district offices. I come before you as the flag bearer of the National Democratic Congress to advocate for a cause, an upcoming exercise that goes to the heart of our democracy. The limited voter registration exercise will give the opportunity to those who have become eligible to vote to place their names on the voters register. It will also allow for those replacing lost voters ID cards an opportunity to transfer your vote from where you currently have it to a new polling station. In a nutshell, I'm here to encourage you wherever you are in Ghana or beyond that if you do not have a voter ID card, especially if you've just turned 18, please take advantage of this exercise which starts on September the 12th, 2023. Start making the necessary arrangements to register and get your voter's ID card. 
my brothers and sisters, our young people, fellow countrymen and women, it is no secret that Ghana, our beloved country, is currently grappling with a severe economic crisis more than ever before. The lives of our people today are defined by a daily struggle to eke out a living. We're seeing our daily cost of living skyrocket and job opportunities are becoming more difficult by the day. Our people, the youth, the elderly, drivers, market women, civil servants, security personnel, teachers, journalists, nurses, and doctors are all experiencing a sense of hopelessness on a scale never witnessed in recent memory. This dire situation calls for urgent action, and the most powerful tool at our disposal is our right to vote. President Akufado and his administration have failed to address the pressing economic challenges they have exerted on the people of our country, misapplying our precious scarce resources and overspending on their creature comforts and largesse instead of building the critical infrastructure this country needs for job creation and development. Their promises during their campaigns have not been fulfilled leaving the ordinary Ghanaian burdened with the consequences of their incompetence, cluelessness, and shameless arrogance. Today, some Ghanaians glorify and make excuses for corruption because the MPP has allowed it to permeate every facet of our society. This must never be ex accepted as the norm. It hinders progress on many fronts, denying our youth of opportunities that should have come their way if state resources were meaningfully applied. Ladies and gentlemen, we cannot afford to let this dire state of affairs continue. Registering and acquiring a voter ID card to vote in the December 2024 presidential and parliamentary elections is not just a basic civic duty. It is an obligation. As a people our starting point to effect real change in our country is to register and vote. You and I have a collective responsibility to use our votes wisely to hold our leaders accountable and demand the change we desperately need. It is the surest way to secure our democracy. The upcoming limited voter registration exercise by the Electoral Commission is therefore an opportunity to start the process towards making your voices heard and shaping the future of our dear country, Ghana. Your vote in 2024 will symbolize your desire for a better Ghana, a determination to overcome the challenges we face, and your commitment to help build the Ghana we want together, a Ghana that guarantees you, your children, your siblings, and our unborn generations a brighter, sustainable future with well-paying jobs. But that will only happen when you acquire a voter's ID card and cast your vote for the NDC in that crucial election on December 7, 2024. I wish to add my voice to those who have called on the EC to reconsider its decision to restrict the registration exercise to its district offices only. Acquiring a voter ID card 
affirms one's right to vote and access to a voter ID card should be easy and not limited by location. Every Ghanaian deserves the chance to exercise this democratic right. I strongly urge the Electoral Commission to facilitate the registration exercise in all its electoral areas to allow for easy access and a reduced burden on the citizenry in their quest to register. I challenge the Commission to be more transparent with the processes preceding the start of the limited voter registration exercise, the placement of voter ID cards and the transfer of votes. As has been requested in a formal letter to the Commission by the General Secretary of the NDC, we want to know when the names and pictures of the registration supervisors, registration officers, registration assistants and other officials for the exercise will be published at the district level as stipulated by the EC regulations. We have also requested information on the exact number and distribution of workstations, registration kits and other logistics to be used in the exercise. It is also our very strong recommendation that in line with Regulation 22B of CI 91, as amended by CI 126, the Commission listens to the call for the extension of the exercise to take place in the electoral areas and not limited to the district offices of the Commission. This will curb many inconveniences, including transportation, lack of money to move from distant locations, and access. At this point, let me encourage all my comrades in the NDC to put aside every other thing or activity and let's give our maximum attention and focus to this upcoming exercise. Let me urge all my fellow citizens, especially the youth, to take this exercise very seriously. It is your opportunity to hold your leaders accountable. It is about your rights. It is about your future. It is about our dear nation Ghana. Let us join hands and work together towards building the Ghana we want. That was former president and flag bearer of the National Democratic Congress, John Dramani Mahama. Now, security analyst Emmanuel Kuting has called for comprehensive reforms within the Ghana Police Service and other security agencies in the country. According to him, addressing specific challenges as brought to light during the Atachian-led committee's investigation into the leaked tape allegedly plotting the removal of the Inspector General of Police is imperative to safeguard Ghana's democracy. In an interview with City News, Imano Kutin expressed support for the suggestion that certain portions of the committee's hearings should be conducted behind closed doors, considering the potential national security ramifications. And we really support the call that some of the hearings should be done in camera because of the national security implications some of these things can bring on us. However, I will want the speaker to do two things. Either extend the scope of terms of reference for the ACOG committee or altogether establish the commission of inquiry that has a secretarial power, the bipartisan one for that matter. Because the issues before us, if we don't properly manage it, it risks affecting our democracy. It's 
not only the senior police officers who are uh, overly popular, but the police as an institution is viewed in that light, given what has come up. And no perception goes a long way to affect the administration of all the institutions. And I dare say that the police as an institution, they are not alone. The same things are happening within the military, the fire service, the immigration service, and the customs. If we go by the targets we are going, and we don't look at reforms, and I'm afraid it could turn a very serious security challenge to our fledgling democracy. You have the security analyst Emmanuel Kutin calling for security reforms in the country. Now, management of the Ghana Water Company Limited, GWCL, has condemned recent attacks on its field operatives in the eastern region. According to the water company, staff who go out to either read meters or embark on disconnection exercises, as mandated by law, often receive messages threatening their lives. And in some cases, wild dogs are unleashed on them by customers. Early this week, a woman in Kofuridia was seen in a video assaulting a staff of the water company who disconnected her meter over debts owed to the company. Reacting to this, the Eastern Regional Public Relations Officer for the Ghana Water Company Limited, Kwejo uh, Dasa, says uh, he condemns the attacks and called on the police to seriously deal with the situation. Uh, in fact, it's worrying. It's worrying. I mean, whereby in their cases, well, just for that one here, uh, whereby dogs are unleashed, wild dogs are unleashed. The person will just knock, enter the house, and then the person will just pass back uh, the back door and go and release the dog from the cage. And, and in fact, there have been several cases where our customers have have had damages to their bodies due to the, some uh, I mean, uh, dog, dog bites. And in fact, it's really, really worrying. It's really, really worrying. I mean, wish, I mean, all stakeholders, especially the public, should condemn this act. The security agencies should take this issue serious whenever we report to them. In fact, um, it's, it's really, really worrying. We don't want to have that situation whereby maybe a staff is attacked and then the company will turn, uh, I mean, will, will, will turn its back in terms of supplying uh, or in terms of uh, uh, serving the people with, with, with maybe water. Eastern Regional Public Relations Officer of the Ghana Water Company Limited, Kweju Dasi. This is News on 97.3 CTFM. The Driver and Vehicle Licensing Authority is planning something uh, at the DVLA. It has to do with the driver's license. We are told that the uh, authority is facing out old driver's licenses for smart cards. That story is on citynewsroom.com. Let's speak to Kafui Semevo. He is the director in charge of driver training, testing and licensing at the Driver and Vehicle Licensing Authority, DVLA. Uh, Mr. Semevo, you're welcome to Eyewitness News. Thank you and good evening to your listeners. Explain this idea to us, please. Um, we currently have licenses where, which are just cards in our hands. What new thing are you introducing? So, uh, you will recall that in 2017, in September uh, precisely, a new driver's license was introduced. However, before the introduction of the new license, which is a smart card license, we had another card license, which is a PDC card license, already in the, before the new one was introduced. So, from 2017 to today, 
until now, it's about six years ago when the new one was introduced and when the last, the old one, the last one of the old one was also issued. Now, when the new one was introduced, we allowed that those who already had obtained the old license keep using them until they are due for replacement. So six years down the line, the last old license that was issued was issued on the 16th of September 2017. So six years down the line, all those licenses would have expired and are all due for replacement. So the call is for all drivers who have the old licenses that are expired to come and submit them for the new ones to be issued to them and for their uh, bio data to be migrated into our new system. So basically, that is what the call is for. How do I know I'm currently holding the old one and requiring a new one? Um, we have these licenses. They, there's one that accompanies our website story. It's, it's a card. I mean, it has, um, I don't know, um, your details on it with your signature on it. Uh, it's a greenish, yellowish card. Is that the new one or that's the old one? The greenish one is the new one. So, so, so which one is the old one? Which one is the old one? The old one, uh, you see the old one has... Uh, the, 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 the picture that is shown, you see that that has almost like a red background showing. But to distinguish, everybody who obtained the license before the 17th of September 2017 has the old one. Okay, so everything after 2017, you are fine? Every every license that was issued from the 17th of September 2017 is a new license. But if you got it before the 17th September 2017, then you have the old one. Okay. So for you to check, for you to check, you can check the expiry date of, on the front page of the license and you see that you know, uh, if it is the, the date is due, then you just have to submit it. For those who have done the, the renewals, because you are required to do the renewals every two years. So for those who have done the two renewals, you will see two tickets behind the license. And then the third date is the one in front, which is the expiry date. And once that is due, we are calling that you submit the license for the migration to be done and for the new one to be issued to you. So you you are expecting me to bring submit the license when it expires so that you give me a new one. It's not as if you are asking all of us to just bring our licenses. No, so the, 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 the line is this. For those who have the old one that are expiring, once it expires, you submit for replacement. Then those who have the new one, you just have to check your date and, and do the renewal. So the renewal dates are behind the new license. Now, I, ha I have a license yeah. before me that was issued 2019, June 2019. And at the back, the first date is 2021, June. And then the second date is 2023, June. Such a person, what do they have to do? So the first one, which is 2021, the such uh, holder would have gone for the first sticker to be updated. Then the 2023, you go again for the stickers to be affected. So if this 2023 was not June, but rather November, should that person bring the license now or they should wait till November to bring their license? 
the, the law permits you to renew one month ahead of time. That is if no, no, I'm talking in terms of your decision to change. Do you are you asking people to bring their licenses even before the date of renewal is is due, or they can keep it and wait when the date of renewal is due? Then they bring it and do the changing. So you you bring it when the, the renewal is due. Okay. However, Under what law are you doing this new renew this new phasing out? Parliaments and for that matter, the minority side says that you had to you ought to get approval from them you have not done that so under what mandate are you doing this so if you look at uh, li 2180 that is licenses are supposed to be renewed when they expire so from what i said earlier the last license of the old one was issued on 16th of september 2017 so definitely after the 16th of september this year if you had a license that was issued, then you had that license is a fact. And all those were issued with the old one, all their licenses would have been a fact from the 16th of September. So the renewal is what will lead to the, uh, you be migrated into the new line. Okay. Uh, thank you so much. Very well. Now, so when you say people should submit them for renewal, it's going to be an automatic process. You are saying then that you don't need parliamentary approval for this, right? So already, the parliament has passed a law that requires you to renew your driver's license. But you see, you are introducing a new card because you use the word face out. If you are facing out, it means you are facing in. The new cards you are bringing in will require some new um, biometric data that will be captured from people and all of that. Perhaps that's why parliament wants you to come and check in with them. Okay, so uh, I mentioned that in 2017, we introduced a new card. So we had already introduced that card. But at the time we were introducing, some drivers had already been issued the new one. And because it was not introduced at the beginning of the year, people had the old one issued in 2017. So those are the drivers we are calling upon to have their licenses displayed after the September uh, date. What would be significantly different from the old uh, in the new cars you are introducing? The new car that was introduced in 2017 has more enhanced security features than this. The biometrics that were than the old one, the biometrics that were captured confirms the NIA database, and also that the new database affords us the opportunity to interface with NIA for verification and for service uh, provision purposes. Very well. Thank you for speaking to us. Uh, we'll come back to you in subsequent days uh, for further details on this. Thank you. That's um, uh, the gentleman in charge of... Okay, so he's the director uh, in charge of driver training, testing, and licensing at the DVL. His name is Kafui Semevo. This is Eyewitness News on 97.3 CTF. And we'll be back with more. Please stay. Let your voice be heard on Eyewitness News on Facebook at facebook.com forward slash city97.3, Twitter at twitter.com forward slash city973, and Instagram at instagram.com forward slash city973 with the hashtag Eyewitness News. Get the details every significant financial transaction, every market movement, and all the policies that affect your business. City Business News. Be informed. 
It's time for City Business News and Eyewitness News, powered by citybusinessnews.com. My name is Akosia Ochre. Let's settle for the details. The Ghana Hotels Association is considering petitioning the Speaker of Parliament over the hike in utility tariffs, which is crippling their businesses. The Hotel Association on August 28 petitioned the Public Utilities Regulatory Authority, that's PURC, over the high bills. Uh, they are also demanding the PURC resolves anomalies in the water tariff, which shot up astronomically to 167% between February and May this year. But a week after the petition, the hoteliers say the explanation from the regulator is not satisfactory. Speaking to City Business News President of the Hotels Association, Dr. Edward Akanyameke, said a group is opting for this next line of action because their concerns have not been addressed. In their response, PUS is saying that they announced some categorization, new categorization in May, May 2023, which we are opposed to. And I like to separate those two things because it will be better that we deal with this February, March, April, May uh, issue different from the new category that they have placed us, which is the commercial category. Because we are against even that migration from the non-residential category to the uh, commercial category. So I must say, the letter they have written does not address anything at all, does not address the petition we sent to them. And we, we are going to move further with this matter. The next stage will be to petition the Speaker of Parliament. That was Dr. Edward Aka, who is the president of the Ghana Hotels Association. Our head of government's announcement of the 2023-2024 Fangate Prize for Cocoa, the Ghana Civil Society Cocoa Platform is projecting an increase of producer price from the current 800 Ghana cities to 1,380 cities per bag of cocoa beans. This projection, according to the platform, was arrived after a consideration of the prevailing rates on the international market. Now, Cocoa Board is scheduled to announce the new uh, price for cocoa for 2023-2024 season this week, earlier than the original date uh, scheduled for October. Now, speaking at a press conference here in Accra, founder of Cocoa in Ma, that's Leticia Yankee impressed on Cocoa Board to offer good price for cocoa farmers. Based on the working assumption of the Producer Price Review Committee, PRRC, which aims at ensuring that farm gate price is pegged at a minimum of 70% of the net free on board FOB price cocoa beans. GCPP is of the firm opinion that farmers in Ghana should be receiving a minimum of 22,000 and 80 Ghana CDs per ton, which is equivalent to 1,380 Ghana CDs per bag. That is 62.5 kilograms of cocoa beans. This figure was arrived at using the lowest projected values available, including the LID of $400 per ton, as agreed. The current International Cocoa Organization, ICCO, World Cocoa Market Price, which averages New York and London futures, stands at $3,647 per ton of cocoa beans. We also acknowledge that there has been a drastic drop in the origin differential 
or country premium from over $400 to a current $25. Leticia Yankee is a founder of Coco Ima, that's a, a company registered as a member of the Ghana Civil Society Coco platform. Now, economists want governments to reconsider moves to allow the Agriculture Development Bank, ADB, take over transactions of the National Investment Bank, NIB. Now, government has said it can no longer provide support to the operations of the investment bank. But economist Professor John Gachi tells City Business News that ADB is not financially capable to accept the new responsibility. As such, government should rather adopt new strategies to advance financial support to NIB. There's going to be a lot of implication. There's going to be a lot of impairment uh, of uh, NIB assets. There are a lot of liabilities. Uh, As we speak now, NIB is not... Uh, reporting on its financials uh, is it, just there. So as to how this will have effects on the and and the asset that will be taken over, uh, we do not know the details. Whether some assets uh, will be separated for other reasons, uh, whether some liabilities will be separated for other reasons, or uh, ADB would be taking over all those liabilities. Uh, Professor John Gachi rather recommended the recapitalization of NIB. It's just a matter of raising the finances that the NIB needs. And uh, there have been various strategies to use to do that. Um, so I wouldn't want to go uh, into that. But the government has failed over time to deploy those strategies. And that is where NIB continue to uh, to go down. Uh, up to this level. Uh, uh, if government want to finance NIB now, uh, it comes with a huge cost. And also there is a failure of a strategy that was used. And we complain about those strategies, but the government didn't pay heed to it. For example, they told us that they were bringing in GATS for GATS to provide finances and investment into NIB and that will resuscitate NIB. As we speak now, that is not working. Uh, so uh, I, 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 I think the only strategy is a government to front the investment into NIB. You have the economist and dean of the University of Cape Coast Business School, Professor John Gachi. Now, government has been admonished to de- deepen collaboration between the Ghana Revenue Authority and the Metropolitan Municipal and District Assemblies to rake in more revenue from property rates. The call comes six months into the implementation of the Unified Common Property Rates Platform, which is a digital platform designed to optimize the mobilization of property taxes. Now, tax consultant Francis Timorboy tells City Business News that a strong cooperation with assemblies to ensure that all properties are registered on the platform will boost the country's revenue uh, mobilization drive. Having the platform is one thing and ensuring enforcement is also another thing. So if six months down the line, we are not realizing the needed revenue from property taxes, then I think we are failing on enforcement. The mere fact that we have set up the platform 
and expect people to jump onto the platform and register their properties i don't think that's the way to go so the mmdcs are supposed to ensure that properties within their jurisdictions are registered and then ensure people go online and register their properties and i think that the collaboration between the gra and then the district assemblies is where the solution lies they need to um, put in mechanisms to ensure that enforcement is done again if we do that for me i think that that is where government will be able to cash in more on the property um, taxes in ghana Francis Timor Boy is a tax consultant, now Ghanaian businessman and the Chancellor of the University of Cape Coast, Sir Samuel Isonjona, is encouraging the pharmacists across the country to leverage on the emergence of artificial intelligence to better position the pharmaceutical industry for economic growth. This, he explains, can be achieved by deepening collaborations with other technological bodies to offer world-class pharmaceutical output for consumers. Speaking at a 2023 annual general conference of the Pharmaceutical Society of Ghana under the theme Pharmacists for National Development, Sesamo Isonjona emphasized the critical role played by artificial intelligence in all sectors of the economy. Finally, before we go, the Chief Executive Officer of the Ghana Investment Promotion Center, GIPC Yofi Grant, has emphasized the need for a deeper public-private partnership to raise investments to boost economic resilience. According to him, government tends to create an enabling environment for the active participation of the private sector through the mutual prosperity dialogues. is partnerships, the partnership uh, between the public sector and the private sector. And of course, even as we, you know, we raise investment capital to go into the private sector, we need to ensure that we have a public sector that is supportive, efficient, and enables the private sector to grow. Otherwise, it doesn't make any sense. So that is the, why we've created this platform, to ensure that there's a partnership. But as the minister said, in the next couple of months, we're going to have what we call the mutual prosperity dialogues. Um, which is really um, the core structure to formalize the partnership between public sector and private sector in the investment space. Right, yes, um, this year's um, uh, Club 100, which is the 20th year celebration of the, of the Ghana, or the 20th year, yes, occurrence of the Ghana Club 100, is going to be, it's just not going to be the awards, but we're going to have the Ghana, uh, the Ghana Trade Week and then an exhibition of Made in Ghana, all at the same location throughout the day and that would enable us showcase made in, uh, made in Ghana goods and showcase what Ghanaians are producing and the investment partnerships that are important to grow these uh, companies. Chief Executive Officer of the Ghana Investment Promotion Center GIPC, Yofi Grant. Ending City News, uh, City Business News on Eyewitness News. It was powered by your most comprehensive business website, citybusinessnews.com. My name is Akusia Optre. Up next is Point Blank. Eyewitness News. Be there as it happens.
You're welcome back. This point blank on Eyewitness News. My name is Umaru Sandamore. The National Democratic Congress has been re-strategizing, appointing directors and other officers ahead of the contest in 2024. Today, the new directors were sworn into office. It happened at the party headquarters in Adabraka. The executives who are adored include Professor Joshua Alabi. Dr. Edward Omani Buama, Eduji Kujo Tamaklo, among others. The swearing-in was done by chairman of the party, Johnson Asedu Nketia. Uh, he spoke at the event, so did Fifi Fiavikwiti, general secretary of the party. Let's listen to them both. Our nation is in crisis. And as the words of our party national anthem, Goes that arise, arise, arise for Ghana, ye patriots of the land, towards a secure future development, our goal. It means that in times like this, the call, the rallying call, is for true patriots of Ghana to arise and to help save this nation and help save our democracy and protect our future generations. We have never had this length of democratic stability. So it is something that we should value and we shouldn't toy with. The happenings in the sub-region ought to be a wake-up call for all of us. I know that the challenges are daunting, but somehow I believe that God is a Ghanaian, and so we shall overcome, and we will survive and protect this, our stability. But before we can do that, patriots must arise, act and speak with courage, and say the unpleasant things that ought to be said, said. Take the unpleasant actions that ought to be taken so that we can prevent worse things from happening. Talking about our democracy, we have never come this low. Where as a country, we are unable to service our debts, let alone to pay. We have never come this low where corruption in government has become like an American buffet. <laughs> Eat all you can for $10. So once you pay the gate fee, which is an appointment from the Nagufado's government, you enter there and eat everything you can. In fact, if you allow yourself to be outdone in the race to uh, amass wealth from the system, then you blame yourself. That is how uh, things are going now. 
We are at a point where our nation's central bank on paper does not exist. We are at a stage where our security services have been politically compromised. If you watch the proceedings from the parliamentary committee investigating the big thing, and you are a true Ghanaian, you weep for the Ghana police service. That how did we come here? Parliament has not had the opportunity to investigate anything or any leak tape from the armed forces. But I believe sincerely that if there were any leak tape to be investigated from there, the stories that will, will, will emerge will be equally worried. The least said about our justice system, the better. And in all this, what helps to stabilize nations in crises like this is the freedom to demonstrate. Because when people are frustrated and they get the opportunity to vent out their feelings, it's a way of preventing explosion. But that right to is being trampled upon. It's like blowing air into a balloon and there is no vent for the air to come out. What will happen? And the most explosive and unpredictable segment of our population is the teenage group, the youth. And they are the most frustrated lot in this country. They don't have jobs. And at least they should have been content with the opportunity to change government and install the government they like. But what are we seeing? This is the opportunity for them to register and participate in the voting. And once again, the machinations that are happening, they are all geared towards limiting access to the exercise of that democratic right. So if people are frustrated, because in a democracy, we choose our leaders, the right of self-determination is one of the most important rights in a democracy. So, because when we choose our leaders, we give them our mandate to do things to serve us. We give them the right to arrest us when we go wrong. We give them the right to exact taxes from us and use the taxes to provide for our needs. We give them the right to provide security for all of us. If that right to provide security is turned into a right to abuse us, 
with that security. And we don't have anywhere to turn to. What will happen is that we assume the other rights under J.J. Rousseau's um, theory. And then, because if uh, a government refuses to do what the citizens have put the government there to do, they have every right to revolt against that government and bring in another government. Let's pray we don't get there. The happenings in the sub-region are not pleasant. Our luck is that opposition groups will always collaborate with military adventurers to state coup d'etats. But in Ghana, the story is different. We in the opposition pride ourselves as the architects of this democratic consolidation, as the architects of the stability we are enjoying. And so we are ready to protect it and to protect the constitution we have signed into action. And so no adventurer will get our cooperation. And it is because of this that those who are in government have decided to do worse things than anybody could think of. And so let us rise up and speak out to save this democracy. The youth may get out of our control because they don't have jobs, they are the most frustrated, and they want to effect changes in their circumstances through changes in government. If they are blocked from registering so that they can change government peacefully, we cannot predict what they will want to do. So I'm calling, on behalf of this party, calling to civil society organizations, opinion leaders, faith-based organizations, to bring pressure to bear on government, to make sure that the last right of the youth to cast their ballots and to determine their leaders is not taken away from them. Because when you block peaceful avenues of change, you are inviting violent avenues of change. And we don't want to go there. So, comrades, you are rising up today as painters. The work you are going to do is daunting. But we trust that you'll be able to meet the challenge. There is no way you can constitute a governing team that will represent everybody. We know there are shortcomings in this composition. 
but we are appealing to our party rank and file that this is a call to duty. It is not an honor. It is a call to duty. So if we have tax, some of you to undertake that duty. Wherever you are in whatever corner, you can find a way of helping to achieve the same purpose. We thought about take carefully and said as a party, there was the need for us to start thinking increasingly about how to engage other political parties and also other uh, CSOs as a way of, uh, uh, of, of building bigger partnerships towards pushing the Project Ghana better. Now, that thinking is what finally led us into uh, the decision to set up a new directorate, which new directorate will be in charge of, uh, shall I call it a coordination with other parties and also with CSOs. So anytime, when you hear that that is one of the new directors that will come up with, that is a reason. It's a, it's a big political party, but we believe that we need to work with other uh, groups. We need to also collaborate and have great partnership with a lot of the CSOs and bring together a synergy that will be able to help us achieve our dreams and ambitions even better. So that will be, that's the reason behind the coming of the new uh, uh, directory that we are calling the directory in charge of CSOs and inter-parties. Now we also uh, realized that there was the need for a directorate, uh, because as a political party, you know, human organization, almost on a daily basis, is conflict upon conflict upon conflict. Uh, our process, many uh, many of these years, was to set up committees that could sit on uh, on these some of these issues in order to resolve them. That will continue, but we think that it is such an important thing, and the party needed to have. A directory that on a day-to-day -day basis will be able to monitor what is going on from branches through constituency to the region to the national level and be able to put together ideas recommendations or even ways in which some of these can actually be prevented sometimes before even the conflict emerge they will be in a position to say listen if we can do this and that we can nip some of this into the map I mean, we, we, we take care of them even before they emerge so that is the reason behind the decision to have a new directory that will be in charge of conflict resolution now warfare in a political party is critical uh, there are many instances where members of our party, people who have set this party with dedication, after they move into the sunset, often if you are not careful, they tend to be forgotten.
Well, that would be it for Eyewitness News tonight. You are listening to Fifi Kwete, General Secretary of the NDC. Before him, you heard the National Chairman of NDC, Johnson Asedu Nketia. My name is Umaru Sandamadu. I did this with Akosia Ochre Production by Kwabna Wilson, uh, Beverly London, and Sami Wiafe. Technical support from Daniel Squashi. New media support from Edwin Kwakofi. Return tomorrow at 17.30 GMT. Thank you for listening. Have a good night. Reach our hotline on 0302-224959 and get interactive on Facebook, City 97.3 FM and on Twitter at City 973.